This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. In our study so far of Romans chapter 5, we have discovered that we are made right with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God, and that takes care of the past. We have access to His grace every day, and that takes care of the present. And we have hope in the glory of God, and that takes care of the future. Past, present, future, all wrapped up in Jesus. And then Paul went on to describe life in Christ as this process which, in which suffering produces endurance, and endurance yields character. And character hatches hope. And this hope that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who He has given to us prepares us for the next trial and the next hardship and the next season of suffering which in turn produces even more stronger uh, endurance uh, which helps to yield even more character which hopefully leads to a greater hope. And the, the, the cycle continues. One feeds the other as the Lord keeps on changing us, as the Lord keeps on sanctifying us or transforming us so that we become even more like Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 is a marvelous summary of the work that God has done for us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And now Paul continues to build on this in verses 6 through 11. So let's have a look. Your Bible is open. Your Bible app. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? More than that, (laughs) we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So as as we trace the heart of God in this amazing, rich portion of Scripture, we gather more clues about the purpose for which Jesus died. First of all, Jesus died to show us the love of God. That's clear in Romans 5, 6 through 8. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. And down in verse 8, God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here in this passage, Paul describes those who are living apart from faith with four Awful words, four dreadful words. They are weak, 
ungodly, sinners, and then in verse 10, enemies of God. That's how the Bible sees people who have yet to come to faith in Christ. Weak, ungodly sinners who are enemies of God. But in doing that, in, 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 in describing that, he, Paul is also telling us that, that God's love comes to us uh, totally unmotivated by anything in us. I mean, what would cause God to show His love to weak, ungodly sinners who are His enemies? There's nothing in us that inspires God to show us His love. Jesus, Jesus died not only for the beautiful and successful and prosperous. He died not only for the, the charming and the educated. No. Romans 5 says He died for weak, ungodly sinners like us. Well, like me. Maybe not you, but like me. Most people are not willing to die for anybody else. Most people aren't willing to do that. Lay down my life for you? Are you kidding me? You might be the most, the nicest, most righteous, giving person I know, but I, I doubt whether I'd lay my life down for you. But God showed His great love for us in this. While we were still sinners, separated from God, weak, ungodly, enemies... He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. It's mind-blowing. How do you measure the size of a fire? A house fire, residential or commercial. How do you measure the size of a fire? Usually by the number of firefighters and fire engines who are di dispensed to, to fight the fire, right? How do we measure the seriousness of a medical condition? Oftentimes by the, the risk that doctors take in prescribing dangerous antibiotics or surgical procedures. How then do we measure the gravity of sin and the incomparable vastness of God's love? Is it not by looking at the magnitude of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ to, to rescue us from our brokenness? Is it not found in the, the fact that God sent His one and only Son to the cross to die the death of a criminal, to be nailed to the cross and shed His blood? Is that not how we measure the love of God for us? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died He for me who caused His pain, for me who Him to death Pursued? Amazing love. Astonishing love. Life-changing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Jesus died to show us the love of God. To expose the love of God to us. To reveal it to us in a way that we could not miss it. Rescue workers had been digging for over 12 hours at the site where four residential buildings collapsed in China just over a year ago. They discovered in the rubble one final survivor, a three-year-old girl who was wrapped tightly in the arms of her dead father. The young child was found buried beneath all kinds of debris where the buildings once stood. 
The structures had been home to a large number of, of, of migrant workers who'd moved from the rural, poor countryside to work in the, in the big city. Rescue workers discovered the young girl when they removed a, a giant uh, cement slab to find her father's body draped over her and his arms underneath her, shielding her, hopefully, from the crushing weight of, of the buildings that were coming down. He was 26 years old. She escaped with only scratches on her body. The child survived only because her father used his own body. He used his own life to save her. One of the workers would later tell a reporter, the child was able to survive entirely thanks to the fact that her father used his own flesh and blood to prop up a life-saving space for his daughter. God shows his own love for us in this. Christ died for us. Christ died so that he could create a life-giving space for us in the family of God. And this love is completely unmerited, undeserved, and unearned. It's, it's the gift of God to us. He, he, he showed us His love. He revealed His love to us in the death of Jesus. And nothing can separate us from that love. I used this scripture last week when I tried to hammer this home. Romans eight thirty five. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or collapsed buildings or cancer? I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's get Pentecostal for a minute. Amen. Amen. <laughs> wow, what a powerful passage that is. He died to show us the love of God. Furthermore, Jesus died to save us from the wrath of God. Right here in the text, Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. You know, I, I was thinking this morning, we, we, you know, we have already seen in the book of Romans, just in the previous couple sermons, we, we, we've, we've had sufficient evidence to never waver from the celebration of God's grace. But, but he keeps pouring it on. It's like, okay, Lord, last week was good enough. I got this now. I, I, you know, I'm celebrating your grace. It's good. It's all good. And we come back this week, and it's more. He pours on more. More grace, more teaching, more change, more transformation. In verses 9 and 10, Paul uses an argument called an a fortiori argument. It's a Latin term that means... Uh, it means from the stronger argument. 
An a fortiori argument is, 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 is an argument which, which bases itself in a conclusion that has already been accepted. And on the basis of that conclusion, we argue for something greater, something more. For, so, so, so here we, we, we've, we've previously accepted the fact, have we not, that we are justified uh, by faith in Jesus Christ and therefore we have peace with God. We've accepted that, right? So now Paul moves from that conclusion, that strong conclusion, which we already accept to be true, to a much more argument, an a fortiori argument, to a much more conclusion that is even stronger than the first one. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Yes, we've been justified by, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, but much more than that, much more than that, he says, we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. So that, I think that's a good reason to sing and dance and throw a party, don't you? And it's going to be at Roger and Mandy's right after the service. <laughs> Y'all come now here. But the doctrine of the wrath of God has fallen on hard times. You don't hear very many preachers talk about the wrath of God. Not a very popular topic. It, it's an affront to our modern sensibilities, is it not? I mean, they might have talked about the wrath of God in the 17th and 18th century, all those Puritan writers, you know, they're kind of hardcore guys. But today, I mean, how are we going to woo people to Jesus if we talk about the wrath of God? Not something that we want to do. Turns people off. Turns people away. It's too disturbing to think that our God of love could be angry at something. Or angry at someone. But, but wait, he's a God of love. Amen. But he's also a God of justice. And there is such a thing as the wrath of God. If there isn't, he's going to have to He's going to have to express great regret to Sodom and Gomorrah. So this may help us. Dr. J.I. Packer summarizes the wrath of God like this. I love this. God's wrath in the Bible is never the capricious, self-indulgent, irritable, morally ignoble thing that human anger so often is. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. That's what the wrath of God is. It's not this unbridled anger. No, it's, it's, a, it's the right response. It's the just response to moral evil in our world. That's what the wrath of God is. We were enemies of God, not in the sense that we had sort of outward hatred or hostility or rebellion against God, but because of our sinfulness and His holiness, there is a, a, a great chasm, a great uh, alienation and separation between us and God. But you see, when Jesus died, he took care of all of that. He turned the wrath of God away from us and took it upon himself. He became our substitute. He paid the penalty. All the wrath of God was settled on Jesus on the cross. And we're set free. Hallelujah. So the point of the passage, 
The point of the passage is that if God so loved the world when we were enemies, now that He's made provision for us at such infinite cost, much more, so much more will He save us from the wrath of God to come. We're saved from that. And and He's going to see us right through to the final goal of our glorious salvation. He's going to protect us all the way from the wrath of God. Thank you, Jesus. Back in the day when everyone used typewriters, there was this thing called whiteout. Remember whiteout? Sold for about a million dollars in a little, a little glass jar with a, and there was a brush on the end of the, the, the cap. Do you remember that? Some of you are still using it. <laughs> And so if you, if you made a mistake typing on the typewriter, you, 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 got, you pulled the roller up, remember? And you, you dabbed the white out, you dabbed it on the mistake, and then you blew on it so it would dry. You put the roller back, and then you could type right over the mistake, and it was like the mistake never even happened. It covered over the mistake. Well, then when electric typewriters advanced a little further, some genius invented something even better than whiteout. The self-correcting typewriter. You just hit the button and it just automatically went back and whited out the the mistake. Great stuff. All the kids are going, what? That's so archaic. I can't believe it. Now, wouldn't it be great if someday, wouldn't it be great if someday down the road, someone invented invented the self-correcting people? Wouldn't that be great? Self-correcting people. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a self-correcting app that you could download? We'd all be grabbing our phones. You know, I mean, when a husband says, and I know this rarely happens, but when a husband says the wrong thing to his wife at the wrong time, in the wrong place, it'd be so good to have one of those self-correcting apps. He could just automatically go back and say the right thing at the right time in the right tone to his wife. Wouldn't that be great, ladies? The guys are all going, where do I buy that? (laughs) But see, the human race isn't self-correcting. In fact, it's the exact opposite. We are self-destructing. But in His grace, God has provided the most amazing gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, so that He he buries our sins in the deepest ocean, and He separates us from our sins as far as east is from west. He forgives us. He sets our feet upon a new rock and puts new words of praise in our mouths. And He teaches us how to get along with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And He teaches us how to be husbands who lead well with a towel in our homes and in the church. At the cross, Jesus not only covers our sin or paints over it, He paid the penalty for our sin. He removes our sin completely from us. What? Can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that made me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, our sin is forgiven by the blood of Jesus. We are saved from the wrath of God by the blood of Jesus. He died to show us the love of God. He died to save us from the wrath of God. And thirdly, Jesus died to reconcile us to God. Romans 5.11. More than that, there he goes again. More than that. Can, Can there possibly be more than that? I mean, do we need anything more than that? And yet he keeps pouring it on. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And the word reconciliation comes from a Greek family of words, and the meaning common to that group of words is change or exchange. And so when reconciliation happens between a person and God, that means the relationship has changed. There's been an exchange of Jesus' life for my life and my life for His. There's reconciliation. It assumes that there's been a breakdown in the relationship between these two people, but now there has been a change from the state of hostility and and fragmentation to one of harmony and unity. And that's why Paul could write the words of 1 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Why? Because there's been reconciliation. There's been a change. There's been an exchange. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Paul takes great care in Romans 5 to say that we have now received this reconciliation. It's not something that I can pump up or manufacture. It's not something that I can, I can go to the store and buy. It's, it's given by God. As a gift. We have received this reconciliation. God himself provided this change for us. When he sent his son Jesus to the cross. To die for us. We have received reconciliation. Only through the atoning work of Jesus. And what are we reconciled to? Well just have a look at 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us. To himself. We have been reconciled to God Himself. And see, that's the, that's the vast, vast, vast difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world, which live by precept and, and a, a pie-in-the-sky hope that someday they'll be, you know, okay. Whereas Christianity, it, I, I have often said Christianity is not a religion. It's not based on principles and precepts and laws and regulations. It's based on a relationship with Jesus, with the living God. And that sets us apart, and that sets Christianity apart, and that sets believers in Jesus apart from all the other peoples on the face of the earth because we have a relationship with God. We've been reconciled. There's been an absolute transformation in our relationship. We've been changed. We've been transformed. There's been an exchange. And I, the life I now live in the flesh, I do not live In my own strength. I've been crucified with Christ. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. Romans 5.10 says it very clearly. We were reconciled to God 
by the death of his son. I mean, God the Father loves us so much that he, he sent as his ambassador his only son. And I, 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 I will tell you that I have thought about this from a human angle so many times because, you know, God has blessed my wife and I with three children. I only have one son. My only son. Oh. How difficult that would be. But God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die in our place. It wasn't a mistake. He sent him so that he could demonstrate once and for all his love for us and reconcile us to himself in love and build on that relationship for all the years that we have yet to live based on love. I read a story just on Monday morning about a lady named Colleen who accidentally threw out her wedding ring uh, while she was cleaning up after a Sunday dinner. They had Sunday dinner in their home. She was cleaning up. She set her ring somewhere on the counter and accidentally put it into the garbage. It was not until the next morning that she realized it was missing. And by that time, the garbage truck had already come by their house to pick up the trash. And so she jumped in her car and raced down the street and chased down the garbage truck that was working their neighborhood. And she begged the driver for help. So he called his supervisor, and his supervisor gave permission for him to suspend his route and start digging. Well, that guy dug for four hours through six tons of garbage and miraculously spotted her ring. While Colleen was like over the moon with joy, so happy, she got her ring back. She went home, baked brownies and baked cookies and bought pizza and took them to the garbage truck company for the driver and his crew. And the driver said this, in the 41 years that I've been here, we've only been able to successfully recover lost items three times. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He sought us. He chased us down. He confronted us. (laughs) He pursued us. He dug through all the garbage in our lives. And he saved us. Wow. And through him, we now have received reconciliation with God. See what great love the Father has lavished. I love that word. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that's what we are. Praise be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for for revealing the depth of your compassion for sinful, broken people like us. 
me, the tears that you wept coming into Jerusalem, and even the passion that you showed driving the money changers uh, from the temple. Every encounter, it seems like every parable and every action gives staggering clarity to Paul's words here. How much more? How much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? When Paul used those four awful words, weak, ungodly sinners who are enemies, he's talking about me. He was talking about us. I'm one of the powerless, ungodly sinners for whom you died, Lord Jesus. Demonstrating God's incomparable, irrepressible love for the least deserving. And Father, we, we have made peace with God only because God made peace with us through Jesus. We'd still be blind to what brings us peace if Jesus had not died in our place. The gospel would still remain hidden from our eyes unless Jesus had given us sight to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Father, we have, we have no claim to salvation, no, no boast, no hope, no assurance of sins forgiven and righteousness received apart from sovereign grace. Thank you for your grace today. Oh Lord, how we long for the day when we will no longer even be tempted to look for peace anywhere else but in you. And until that day, until that day, Lord, keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we might see the magnificence of your glory and the full measure of your grace. And this we pray in the great and graceful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen.